Radio DePaul is Chicago's College Connection. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Live from University Hall, DePaul University, my name is Noah Festenstein, your host of Monday Man of Sports Talk right here on radio.depaul.edu on behalf of Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Once again, my name is Noah Festenstein with some sports talk here from 11-12, and I got some stuff planned for you today. Mind you, my voice crack in the intro that caught me off, that caught me off guard, but that's okay. We're moving on into some sports talk right here at radio.depaul.edu. Um, I apologize about my delayed start today, but that's okay because I got two hours on the air today. With that, of course, Money Man Sports Talk and then Beyond the Madness. I got some 70s music to play later on today. But before that, I got a 30-minute segment of baseball today. I just thought about, you know what? There's kind of a stagnation in NHL, NBA, offseason stuff. I kind of just want to push that stuff aside for this week and fit in a ton of baseball because we're really figuratively and literally in the heat, if you haven't noticed here in Chicago of late, and the heat of the baseball season as well. So I'm going to get into that for 30 minutes to start off the show. After that, I want to get into some Bears talk. We're not even two weeks away from the start of preseason, at least for the first NFL preseason game. I want to talk about some NFL stuff. And then the Bears, I think their first preseason game is on August August 8th. It's like two, three weeks away. So got to get prepared for that. And then let's get into some soccer, uh, international soccer. I think International's Cup's playing in the United States right now. Uh, MLS is getting into the thick of things um, post-All-Star game. And then I believe I want to get some Premier League stuff as well. So we'll see about that. And then afterwards, I got some UFC, MMA. So we're getting into stuff, a lot of stuff today. But mostly, it's really a baseball special today. I'm really excited about it because, you know, baseball is my favorite. I love it. That's why I start the show off a lot with baseball. But before I get into that, um, I'm going to take you guys to a brief break so I can catch my breath and not have to crack my voice again. Um, So I'll be back in just a second. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Radio DePaul Podcast. I'm Derek Peters. We're bringing back an episode from our archives. Here's what they had to say. The first marchers began arriving near the Capitol building before dawn. I want to get health insurance when I'm older. Students find comfort in talking to Asha about school, personal life, or really Imagine anything. a fictitious artificial intelligence robot who had his own television program in the 80s. Drove alongside him at one we believe point. in the power of the ordinary citizen. Last time the United States was this polarized, we were in the middle of a civil war. In three and a half minutes, we had maybe potentially changed the way a human being will view somebody. But we're back. Find these exceptional stories and more with the Radio DePaul podcast. New episode available for download every other Monday on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the free Radio DePaul app. The Radio DePaul podcast, always free, typically amazing. This message brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. Chicago's College Connection is Radio DePaul. Myers goes, Margot takes the ball, throw down to second base, going to be late. And no, he got him, got him on the heel, apparently. I thought Myers had beaten that and stolen second base. 
But the second base umpire bent over says he threw him out. That was Baez's no-look heel tag from the game against San Diego. I believe that was on Saturday, this past Saturday, when the Cubs took a win at home for their seven out of eight wins in their past games, really, since the All-Star break, their homestand. They go eight, uh, seven for nine on their homestand post-All-Star break, they're 7-2. and two. So what the Cubs are, and you know, I play that audio for a good reason, is those types of electric plays is what's going to win you ball games. And when you have an electric player like Javier Baez, and you have that sort of aggression on, I mean, in, in the middle infield is the most really crucial spot when you're playing defense. And I could tell you myself as a, as a middle infield player, when I've been playing baseball my almost my entire life, is that middle infielders have to cover that sort of ground. And you have to know how to swipe tag like Javier Baez. You got to know how to do that stuff. Javier Baez is named El Mago, the magician for that, that kind of reason. Um, the San Diego Padres announcers, uh, first of all, courtesy of the San Diego Padres um, broadcast booth. Uh, thank you. For, so that was according to MLB.com. That's where my audio came from. Um, the reason why I played them instead of Ron Coomer and um, Pat Hughes was because they're they, literally the way they announced that play made it seem like, oh, obviously the guy is safe. But Javier Baez has that sort of magic to him. He, it makes he makes the opponents feel like they can be in without harm, but he ends up getting him out. And that's just unreal. That's the type of things that I don't see from a player really every day in in the league right now. Um, and then he hits a three-run homer in that same game uh, to win it. So basically the the star of the game the other day, the, the last Cubs win uh, was Javier Baez. Uh, so 7-2 and two, ever since the All-Star break. Now they got a very tough road trip coming up ahead. Starting with the fourteen and two, their last I think it's like fourteen and two, fourteen and three in their last like seventeen so games. The, the San Francisco Giants are hot right now, um, and the Cubs are going into their home turf, I believe, for three games. Um, let me just make sure I double check that is correct. Uh, so today, tomorrow, yes, three games. So today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, the Cubs play. At night tonight and tomorrow night, and then during the afternoon for a very rare Central Time start at 2:45 um, tonight. I'm very excited to watch the Cubs game because I get to get off of work at 10 o'clock and get to to watch the Cubs, uh, which is rare since it's a West Side game. Um, but this is a crucial series for the Cubs right now if they really, really want to continue this hot streak and really prove that they could beat a hot team. That I mean, the Cubs themselves are hot. And to prove that they can can continue to be hot is to beat the hottest of teams right now. And past, like like I said, 17 games, 14 and three for the Giants. It's incredible. It's kind of like how the Seattle Mariners started their season, but then they fell off the map. Um, but then after the Giants series, the Cubs have three games on the road, uh, two straight series, two other straight series on the road. So they have three straight series on the road against NL Central opponents. Probably. According to what I've said the past two weeks about the Cubs and how crucial this segment of the season is, these are two crucial road series for the Cubs right now. And like I've been saying, is if they can continue to be hot, <laughs> imagine what they can do to their NL Central opponents on the road. 
So they go to Milwaukee on Friday. They have a day off on Thursday, thank goodness, because that's what they're going to need. They only had, like, what, one or two days off in the past month? Um, aside Besides the All-Star break, of course. I think prior to All-Star break, they only had, like, one day off for, like, that entire month of June or something like that. So I think that the Cubs need to take these days off for granted um, and make sure that they come out really, really playing well from rest against two NL Central opponents on the road. Like I said, Brewers for three, and then they go to St. Louis for three as well. So the top two teams, the top two opponents against the Cubs in the NL Central, those are two massive series, and we haven't even played the series against the Giants yet. So by the time you hear me on the radio next week, the Cubs will be in their series against the Cardinals because then they're going to have another day off next Monday so that I'll be able to get take a chance to talk about the last six games for the Cubs. So they got the Giants and Brewers until next week, and then they got the Cardinals, which then I'll probably talk about next week. But in terms of the Cubs kind of asserting that dominance in the NL Central, like I've been saying last week over and over again, they need to win these games, especially on the road, so that they – I mean, I think they're like, what, 37-14 and 14 at home? Uh, I'm not sure what their exact standing – I mean, if I do the quick math, which I can't really – do right now actually you know what let me think about it. yeah they're 18 and 27 yeah 18 27 uh, on the road so thir- 36 and 18 at home and 18 and 27 on the road so if they can really become hot on the road and maybe reach that road mark of 500 watch out for these cubs because with their dominance at home and they're coming up to life playing games on the road against tough teams like they will be seeing in the next nine games it's gonna be important um, and two games in front for the Cubs right now can easily be three games behind if they don't play well in the next nine games. So looking at it from that perspective, it's very important to understand that this is a very crucial spot for the Cubs. Um, but what are the X factors for the Cubs? Um, if we kind of think about that, and I already mentioned it, Javier Baez. Um, he is that X factor. That electricity on the field will win you ball games. Not only that, I think Wilson Contreras coming back, um, just from like mild injury, of course. That's why Martin Maldonado came to the Cubs was to kind of back back up that injury. Maybe they'll have three catchers by the end of the season, like they did in 2016 when they won the World Series. Um, so you're gonna have Martin Maldonado, you're gonna have Wilson Contreras, and Victor Caratini. Um. But to have that sort of lineup, to have that depth, and to have that really wide array of players that can really insinuate that electricity, um, that's really going to be the X factor. Is ha- I mean, I've said it multiple times, especially when the Cubs, when I was doing radio, when the Cubs were winning the World Series, over and over again, you're going to have to have that one player that usually doesn't step up to step up. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it it's hard for one player to step up, which is why there's games that the Cubs have that they just don't hit with runners in scoring position, or they just don't get on base at all, or they just, like I've said, they only hit home runs, and that's their only source of runs. Moving station to station is gaining that momentum. Um, but what's interesting about the Cubs situation right now is that they not just have to rely on their skill, their skill level. They really need to make sure that they intimidate with the way that they win. Because if they can win by large numbers and perfect their pitching, not perfect it, but at least really like come out, you know, 
probably average like giving up two, three runs a game, that will be extraordinary because then you have an explosive offense, a wider range of a wide array of players on the Chicago Cubs lineup to really do some damage. Um, so find that X factor, and that X factor is going to bring a, a team that much further. Uh, I'm going to continue this conversation and more. I'm going to take you guys to a break. You're listening to Money Man Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, and I'll see you back in the next couple minutes. Stay tuned. <gasps> I dropped my phone on the tracks. I better go get it. Stop. Stay off the tracks. The rails of the CTA have 600 volts of electricity moving through them, which is the same amount as a full-grown South American electric eel. That danger doesn't even include the 30-ton train moving upwards to 55 miles per hour, heading towards you like a bull on a mission. The situation will feel like you got hit by both thunder and lightning. You can live without your cell phone for a few minutes, so don't risk it. Stay behind the blue platform edge and relax. This message was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. The blood that runs through my veins can help a soccer player stay kicking, can help a mother stay with her child can help a car accident victim stay alive. Or it could just stay in my veins. Donating blood can lead to a world of possibilities. One donation may save up to three lives. Give blood. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your Welcome back into Monday Men Sports Talk with your host, myself, Noah Festenstein, taking you on until 12 o'clock. I am in the midst, midst, God, I can't even pronounce the silent D, midst, I can't say that, wow, um, I got a lot to, I got a lot going for the rest of the show today. I might go overboard 12 o'clock with some sports talk because uh, I started at like around 11.10-ish. So I might I want to get at least 55 minutes of sports talk in before I get into some, some music later. It's 70s music for Beyond the Madness today, so I'm excited for that. But in the meantime, got some more baseball. So I'm going to continue with some baseball. Then I'm going to get into some NFL discussion, maybe some brief NFL discussion, prior preseason discussion, um, and then some... Soccer and MMA discussion. Uh, so, yeah, let's continue with the baseball segment of the show, as I probably will take 10 more minutes on it. Um, so, like I said with the Chicago Cubs, very, very crucial part of the season right now. Um, I think the, really the essential goal is in the next, I, I really think in the month of August, per se, to really set up, I mean, basically the most pressurizing month of the season in September is to really gain ground and, like, probably win two-thirds of every just win two-thirds of the entire month and see what happens with the rest of the division um and like I said prior to break if the Cubs can win um from an intimidating standpoint like they can score runs and not and obviously have good pitching it's gonna scare the rest of the central and it's gonna affect their play I mean maybe for better or worse uh but when the Brewers last year were in a lot of pressure, they were now five games. It's like, what, 20 games left in the season? They 
they knew what the conditions were. They had to win ball games. And really, what it comes down to with a 162-game season is to win ball games. Um, I was listening to the 670 The Score broadcast yesterday in the Cubs 5-1 loss, um, and there's a play. I, I, I want to use this example on the show, but there's this play that Manny Machado does, and he usually does, and what he's known for is to not hustle. Um, and with two outs, he, or like with like zero or one out in the inning regardless, um, he hits a ground ball, but then he hits a very routine ground ball to short. He runs the first with the bat in his hand, not even running, not even 75%. Um, he's not giving that effort. What if you give that effort, you reach first, and then you score a run? That could be the go-ahead run that could change your the course of your season. And when it comes, when it biddles down to is if you're a game back or you need to win a game to win in the, to be a game ahead to be in the playoffs, that one kind of play, that one kind of like way, just during that 162 game season, if there's that one play where one player doesn't give that effort that they need to win the ball game. That's like, especially with Manny Machado, that's wasting like a ton of money on a guy you expect to perform and to give the effort. I just, I just think that's a great example of what not to do in order to win ball games. Because winning ball games at the end of the season, one win can make all the difference. So, and that's what happened with the Cubs last year when they had to play the tiebreaker game. Imagine if one of those games during that 106, uh, during one of those losses. In last year's, uh, like, let's say if it was an extra inning loss, one play, one thing that the Cubs didn't do in order to get that win could have sent them to the playoffs in the long run. So that's just, I mean, that's just the beauty of baseball. So that's what I'm saying. An important August is to come for Chicago Cubs baseball because they can really gain ground in this Central. Um, I think that the intimidation factor in terms of having to win ball games for the rest of the Central division uh, is going to be... Um, very, very tough. Uh, so that's what the Cubs need to do. Um, and those X factors individually for the Cubs are very important. Um, keeping them healthy, obviously. Um, I want to talk a little bit about White Sox. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to when I have been actually kind of glorifying them this season and saying they have a chance to reach 500, but really since the All-Star break, uh, in the last 10 games, I think they're like 1-8 and nine, one and eight since the All-Star break. or two. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10, I know that. Um... They have a good home record. They're 25 and 20 at home, but on the on the road they're 19 and 32 with a grand total of a 44 and 52 record for the third place in the AL Central White Sox, 15 games out of first. But the Indians, man, they're gaining ground. They started like what? Five and a half games behind the Twins start uh prior to All-Star break, and now they're three games out. So, let's see if the Indians can come back and do damage there. And I was talking about the White Sox having a chance to be in the wild card race. But they're falling on. I think they're like more than five games away from that. So I've already talked about the White Sox, and I think their goal is to be 500 by the end of the season. But um, it's really this is really the effects of the rebuild. What you're seeing right now in the South Side of Chicago baseball uh, is the effects of a rebuild. Yes, you're going to have maybe it. It could be deceiving sometimes, you know. And that's the that's the beauty of the baseball game is sometimes it's deceiving, especially 162 games. You can. When you have a great first half of the season, but then realize maybe through injuries or maybe exhaustion that the second half of the season is not going to go as well. Um, and that's part of the rebuild is because those players need to play together for 162 games, six, seven months of the of, of the year together um, 
that's just a lot. And the White Sox are not going to reach that pinnacle they need to yet this year, obviously. But it's going to teach them lessons through this rough spot next year when they have these players matured and bringing players up, getting players healthy. Notably, um, there's some notables on that list for the White Sox, um, especially with pitching. Kopech is on the top of my list to get healthy for the White Sox pitching. But um, they need to have those guys healthy, and they need to have that type of really – they're going to have to learn through this pain. Um, And maybe if they learn it enough before the end of the season, they can go on a hot streak and maybe make a name for themselves by the end of the season. Who knows? You still got like what? Um, more a little bit more than seventy games left in the season. Um, that's not going to be the same type of notion for other teams in the in the entire league. I look at the Yankees, who are nine games in front of the AL East, against the Rays, who were once ahead, and we thought were once going to be a good team at the quarter part of the season. They still are, but now nine games behind the Yankees, as well as the Red Sox being eleven games behind the Yankees. And then I already mentioned the AL Central, the Indians gaining ground, the Twins. Three games now behind uh, the Astros and Athletics in the AL West. Six and a half game margin there with the Astros in front. Um, and then you look at the National League. You look at the Braves in the NL East. There are six and a half games in front of the Nationals, uh, who are one game in front of the Phillies. So the Nationals are pretty hot right now, and they have a chance to be a wild card contender, if not an NL East contender. Um, I already mentioned, obviously, the NL Central today, the Cubs in front, two games, two and a half games in front of the Cardinals. And then I remember mentioning two weeks ago, it was like the closest division in all of baseball. But now post-All-Star break, it's it's starting to show its true colors in the NL Central. Um, With the Pirates and Reds kind of falling out a little bit, both of them are three and seven their past ten. They were, I mean... All-Star break, they were like, what, five and a half games margin between first and last place? Now it's a nine-game margin. The Reds are nine games out, and the Pirates are seven and a half games out. So now you're seeing those true colors set in the NL Central. In the NL West, our last division to mention here on the baseball segment, um, the Dodgers are the most dominant team in the entire league. I mean, besides the Yankees, um, the Dodgers, I mean, you could already safely say that they've clinched um, the NL West. I mean, if you don't say that, then any team has a chance for the NL West because the last place team, the Padres, are 18 and a half games back, and then the Giants, 16 games back. But all those teams are in wild card possible contention because they're close enough. They're like five games behind 500. But then you look at a team like the Dodgers, the best team in the National League right now, with 16 games is a lot to cover. <laughs> Um, so I'm guessing, I mean, I think it's safe to say the Dodgers have control of the NL West for the rest, for the remainder of the season. Um, it's 1130. So I want to remind you guys, you are listening to radio.depaul.edu, Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. My name is Noah Festenstein with Money Man Sports Talk on behalf of Radio DePaul Sports in the loop. Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Uh, I'm going to take it to a break, maybe continue baseball, but I want to get some football as well. I got about like, I would say 35 minutes left for sports talk, um, but we'll get into more of that as I progress the show. But for now, get to you a break right here, radio.depaul.edu and the Radio DePaul app. Huh, is your life gray and dull? Do you fall asleep in class easily? Do you spend too much time on the internet? Major transformation! Wake up your college life with the Radio DePaul mobile app, available for iPhones and Androids. It's so easy, even the mascot can do it. 
Listen to your friend's playlist with shows that feature alternative music, jazz, sports, alternative jazz, alternative sports, alternative news, and ska. The only choice you can make is when and where you listen to it. The Radio DePaul mobile app is everything you could ever want from a radio station that you didn't even know existed. The Radio DePaul mobile app, the best way to listen to Chicago's College Connection when you're on the go. This message brought to you by Radio DePaul. Chicago's College Connection. Interested in hearing what great music the DJs at Radio DePaul are listening to? Check out the Radio DePaul playlist. Every week, a different set of songs from some of our favorite artists will be uploaded onto our Radio DePaul Spotify page. Let us soundtrack your study with the Radio DePaul playlist. This message brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Jeremiah. What's up? This is Steve-O from Jackass. You're listening to Radio DePaul. Radio DePaul. Radio DePaul. Is Chicago's College Connection. Alrighty, welcome back. It's Spider-Man Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein. And I'm on until 12 o'clock, roughly, with some sports talk to continue on. I'm going to probably set aside baseball until next week. I kind of got out all of the stuff I really want to say today about baseball, and I'm probably going to do another 30-minute segment on baseball. Um, a bit more actually elongated than today. It was about 25 minutes today, but that's okay. God, I'm rhyming too much today. I'm like Dr. Seuss over here. Um, but I want to get into some football, and I want to talk – um, before I get to some Bears talk, I want to talk about this quote that um, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, had to say today. God, stop rhyming. Uh, uh, let me talk about this quote because it, it's an interesting quote. And now being a part of the Cleveland Browns via trade, uh, he's expressed some of his um, frustrations with the team. Um, so here's the quote. Um, he says, or this is Odell Beckham Jr. saying, I felt disrespected. Like, after everything I've done for them, this is me being honest. This team has not been good for the This team has not been good for the last six years. I felt like I was the main reason at keeping that brand alive. They were still getting primetime games, still as a 5 and 11 team. Why? Because people wanted to see the show. You want to see me play. Okay. Um, people might say that's a little egotistical, arrogant, um, but I say it's it's true. <laughs> um, I mean, people looked at the the New York Giants, and of course you got Eli Manning and a couple other notable players, but then you look at Odell Beckham Jr., who is really the difference maker, and I've already no- put up the notion today about X-Factors in sports, and notably baseball, of course, but you look at the guy like Odell Beckham Jr., and the last five, six years he's been playing for them, um, the New York Giants, it's really an interesting quote because how does he feel disrespected if he knows that he was that X factor on that team that really people looked up to him and was like, that's the guy I want to see play week in and week out. Regardless, if we're 5-11, and 11, that's the guy I want to see play. That's because they're getting primetime numbers. And to be honest with you, yes, uh, yes, it's arrogant to say that, but when it's true, it's true. And that's really what it comes down to is like, 
you're watching the New York Giants because of that battery mate between Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, so I kind of agree with him. And then you got a new one. You got Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. here. And then obviously more for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But when you look at that quote and you say to yourself, should New York be dis- disrespected? Should they now disrespect Odell Beckham Jr.? What if he comes back to New York and he plays a game um, at the Gi- against the Giants? How should the fans react to him? How should they treat him now saying that? Um, because if the fans think that is not true and that Odell Beckham Jr. is did not get dis- disrespected, they shouldn't go against themselves and boo the, boo him if they see him, uh, because that's just being hypocritical. Um, but besides the point, that's what makes me really like the the reason why I say this quote to begin this NFL segment is because I really like think that this is going to be kind of the motto going into this next season for for the NFL. Like, there's going to be a lot of players that really, really... I mean, the culture of the NFL is kind of come down to players making the plays that they can make. And if you got if you can make the, any type of play, obviously you've seen Odell Beckham Jr. make the most unbelievable plays you'll ever see, notably that one-handed catch. Um, but players that can make those plays are going to make those primetime numbers or lead those your team to primetime games. Um, obviously, with the Chicago Bears, that's what happened last year. Uh, you had those, uh, the, I mean, Cleo Mack, uh, most importantly for the Chicago Bears, I mean, I can't even tell you how important that trade was. Um, and To really make a team that doesn't seem primetime caliber to that caliber, to be primetime caliber. Um, that's what's so cool about the Chicago Bears in last year's season. Now, like I said, the motto showing up and showing out um, is really players playing together and sharing skills, sharing the ability to move up the field and defend. And the battery between quarterback, wide receiver, and running back, having that sort of chemistry is going to win ballgames. Um, and Odell Beckham Jr. didn't feel that apparently in New York. I think the upside was only that of Eli Manning. Um, that's really what it comes down to. I'm the type of sports analyst. I don't talk a lot about football. Uh, obviously, I'm a baseball guy. But, I mean, I always follow the notion of team com- com- uh, camaraderie equals team chemistry equals team charisma. Um, you know, yes, there's a certain style of respect that, players must have for one 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 another in the locker room in practice and uh, on the field of course when it's a play by play basis um if you don't have that what's the point of being on a team um and the motto is playing to the full extent of each player's capabilities and letting other players understand and recognize how their teammates play um you can't it's hard for me to see one type of player make a team successful. Mitchell Trubisky has to do his thing for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, Cleo Mack does his thing on the other side of the end, and he shares that sort of skills with guys like Akeem Hicks and other defensive tackles that can really make big plays, make big-time plays. You didn't see Akeem Hicks play up to that extent. It's, uh, I mean, yes, Akeem Hicks still played great in the past three seasons, um, but 
you got you got a guy now like Khalil Mack on the offense who provides so much energy and so much aggression that it's contagious. You saw, and then you that's how that's how the Bears were able to attain a, a top three defense in the entire league last year. So looking forward to that this year for the Chicago Bears. That's really important. Um, and really, when it, the leadership of Matt Nagy uh, is going to be basically the th- it's it's going to be that Duracell battery bunny of the Chicago Bears is that of Matt Nagy. He's gonna be he's gonna be making those play calls. He's going to be setting those guys straight on the field, in the locker room, in practice, outside of football. That guy's just a great human being, um, Matt Nagy is. So I'm just really looking forward to um, Matt Nagy pitching more first pitches for the Chicago Cubs instead of the Chicago White Sox because I don't know what he was doing in the south side, you know, but that's just me being biased. Um, but besides the point, uh, <laughs> um, Matt Nagy is your Chicago guy. He's the guy who's going to lead you to that championship. The Probably the best hire, best, best coaching hire, I really would say, since Mike Ditka. That's a hot take for you right now. Um, Mike Dicka, yes, obviously we know the greatness of Mike Dicka, but when you look at Matt Nagy, I mean, coach of the year, first year with the Chicago Bears leading them to a season that they made the playoffs in a, t- in a season that were, they weren't expected to succeed in. Look forward to some damage being done next year, and the Bears have a tough season. They have a tough, tough regular season. Um, I'm going to end the segment by talking about that and talking about really the road for the Chicago Bears this season. And if they can really do damage against teams that, I mean, like the Patriots last year, they they lost 38-31 to to the eventual Super Bowl champions last year. But um, really what it whittles down to is performing um, against those big teams. And I think notably in the first week of the NFL season, the first game of the NFL season between the Bears and Packers, that's what's going to set the tone. Then the Bears got the Broncos in week two. Week three, they got the Redskins and the Vikings. Week four, the Raiders. And week five, I think that's in, yeah, that's a London game, I believe. So, yeah, so 12 o'clock in the um, afternoon, the Bears will be playing in London, I believe, in November, October 6th, uh, if I'm correct. Yes, that is October 6th. Um, so yeah, cool, cool game there. Um, so then the Bears head back home the following. Uh, they have a they have a bye after that London game, and then the next game will be at home against the New Orleans Saints, which is probably going to be the game of the year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that game was being moved, depending on how, of course, how the first part of the season turns out. That Saints and Bears game that played at play being played on October twentieth at three twenty five could very well be a primetime game. So who knows what's going to happen there. Then the next week, it's going to be the Bears and Chargers at Soldier Field. Then the next week is a rematch of the wild card game from last year. But this time on the road is the Bears against the Eagles. But I feel like the Eagles aren't as strong as last year. So we'll see how that game goes um, on November 3rd. Uh, November 10th, the following week, the Bears are at home against the Lions. And next week, instead of being at home like they were last year against the Rams, they are in L.A. to face the Rams on the road November 17th. Bears move uh, back home on the 24th to face the Giants, then against the Lions the next week, and then against the Cowboys. That's a tough game. And then against the Packers the following week. And then basically the last two games of the season, the most essential games, I would say, 
against two very tough opponents in the Kansas City Chiefs at home and then on the road to finish the season um, before New Year's is the Bears and Vikings. So basically, before 2019 ends, you're going to see an entire Bears season. Um, so that's I just want to make sure I stand correctly here. Uh, but before everything else happens, you got NFL preseason. So the next pre next really full on game for the Chicago Bears as they are heading to training camp in the next week or so um, will be the Bears and Panthers on August eighth. So that's about two three weeks away. So looking forward to that. Um, but for now, I will pause the NFL talk and move on to some soccer. Um, so I want to talk about some MLS stuff, slot time being slot time. I want to talk about that. His three goal performance again, um, as an Alex galaxy following the words that he said, um, I'll have that audio and more coming up next right here. Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. You're listening to Monday Man sports talk on behalf of radio DePaul sports, the student voice of your DePaul blue demons be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. The historic Route 66 was finally connected on November 26, 1926. The road is 2,448 miles long and starts in the great city of Chicago. The route then goes through eight states and ends in Los Angeles. The route is no longer in commission with the advent of larger interstate highways. However, the road is still seen as a national landmark and historians connect it with the growth of America. This was the Weekly Wow on Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. As a DePaul student living in a big city like Chicago, I used to feel small and insignificant. What could one lone person do to make a positive impact on the lives of others? How would they know where to start? The Stain Center at DePaul University provided me with an answer. Through its community-based courses, internships, and scholarships, it offers amazing opportunities and experiences for students looking to develop their social awareness. All of the nationally ranked programs at the Stain Center are made to equip students with the knowledge and experience necessary to transform them into future leaders and socially conscious citizens. Because I discovered the Stain Center, I finally feel like I can make an imprint on other people's lives. To learn more about how you can get involved, call 773-325-7457 or visit the Stain Center online at stains.depaul.edu. The Stain Center. Experiences of today become lifestyles of tomorrow. This message brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. All right, welcome back. Monday Mass Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein on behalf of Radio DePaul Sports right here on the streamways of radio.depaul.edu. And, of course, the beautiful award-winning, national award-winning, the best college radio app in all the nation, the Radio DePaul app. This has got all the amenities you need to listen to this fantastic National award-winning radio station we have here at DePaul University, Radio DePaul. Look it up on Android and iOS, the Radio DePaul app. Once again, my name is Noah Festenstein right here, Monday Man of Sports Talk. Uh, I'm going to go through the 12 o'clock hour because uh, I started off a little bit late today um, with delayed start, uh, but that's okay because I got until 1 o'clock, and I got some fantastic music to be played today for, uh, on behalf of our 70s decade, so we're looking forward to that. But I want you to look forward to this audio I'm about to play you. Um, it's Latsan Ibrahimovic being asked. Um, now you talk- do you, here, I'm going to play it. So the question was, do you still consider yourself the best player in Major League Soccer? And this is what his response was. Now, you talk about lifting the level and getting players like yourself. And you said right now you're the best player in Major League Soccer. There's another player in Los Angeles, Carlos Vela. In this moment, he's got 19 goals, 12 assists, and his team is leading Major League Soccer. 
Do you still consider yourself the best player in Major League Soccer? By far. Because if he's in, in his prime, how old is he? Carlos Vela's 29. 29. He's playing in MLS and he's in his prime. Mm -hmm. When I was 29, where was I? Yeah, you were in Europe. Big difference. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I remember why, like, I, okay, I mean... I'm a Manchester United fan, and I, I absolutely adored him when he was in Manchester United for about a couple years, about like a, that was a 2016. Um, but now, since he's in the MLS, he's got the right to be arrogant a little bit like that because he's he's come from such prestigious league. He's come from a prestigious league and from a country that has bred him to be a, the soccer player that he is today. And you look at the goals that he scored after he said that. He said another thing about like being the best in Major League Soccer, but I forgot what exactly it was. Regardless, Slaton is Slaton. There's only one Slaton, and it's really so true. And I, I I read a lot of the comments, especially when you look at Sports Center, when people expect to not want to talk about soccer. They don't even think soccer's should be presented in American culture of sports, which I understand, but I obviously don't agree with. Um, but when you kind of like take it from that perspective, you look at a guy like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That's the kind of guy, regardless of what sport you like, that you want to see as an athlete. That kind of mentality that he has, that egotistical attitude that he brings into the soccer pitch, but he shares with his teammates because he's a great team player and he knows how to score goals. Like you saw in this past game when he scored three goals, three of the only goals to beat. I think it was LAFC. Um, gosh, like the. The amount of willpower that this man has, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I remember watching him um, when he was with Manchester United, and then prior to that, um, it was it was Paris Saint Germain. Um, he he's just that type of player that just brings it brings that something extra, and that he has that ability to score goals and be in the right place in the right time, and not even that, just have a great shot. My goodness, you just look at that long, those long-range shots. Remember his debut or something like last year when he was with the LA, um, LA Galaxy was that like three-quarter, it was like almost the half-field goal that he scored. Uh, unbelievable player that he is. Let's look at the MLS standing, shall we? I, I presented them a couple weeks ago on the show, but I want to talk about them now. Uh, in the Western Conference, um, you got LAFC and the LA Galaxy at 21 matches played and 46 points for LAFC and 37 for LA Galaxy. So those two teams atop the Western Conference, uh, both teams, of course, in playoff contention as the top seven teams must make the playoffs. Um, I think it's for both conferences, for the top seven teams. There's 24 total teams in the league. Um, in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia um, team is on top by only three points, 39 points compared to Atlanta United, who's in second at 36. And you go all the way to the near the bottom in 10th place, and you see our beloved Chicago Fire at 23 points with a five. It's like what? It's, it's how many wins do they got? They got five wins, eight draws, and 10 losses. Um, but in bigger news for the Chicago Fire, which I think will help them make play better, um, is their intentions on moving back to Soldier Field which I kind of want to talk about for a second. Um, you look at where they play now. I think it's in Bridgeview. Am I correct? Um, SeatGeek Stadium. I know it used to be Toyota Park, but now they call it SeatGeek Stadium. Um, let me see. Yes, Bridgeview. I am correct. Um, Bridgeview is where they play. Um, that's like far west side Chicago. Um, 
and it's not really an ideal place. It's really like some like if you're in Chicago and you're not really in the centralized area where the two million people are living. Um, they don't really want to drive out to Bridgeview for a soccer game, especially for a soccer game for a team that's in tenth place and not really in playoff any playoff contention uh, unless they can gain ground. They're only seven games behind New England uh, at seventh place, and then also the Montreal Impact in sixth place. So they're like what three points is a win, one points a draw. They're like three point two wins away from being in playoff contention, but that's very far-fetched when you've already played 23 matches in the season. But back on track with um, moving to Soldier Field in the Chicago Fire, that's a huge move. First of all, I, I don't know why they haven't done it already. You got no, other than concerts, which Wrigley, Fields runs, which Wrigley Field runs every single year during a 162-game ball, um, during an 81 Game you play 81 games at Wrigley Field and you're still able to fit concerts in there. That's impressive. So why not be able to fill that with another professional soccer team at Soldier Field? Um, and then I th- I would think that the Chicago Red Stars are play at Toy um, at Sea Creek Stadium, but at the same time, based on how women's soccer has been performing, I don't want them to play in the stadium like that. I want I want the women's um, professional soccer t- um, league to be playing in the top notch stadiums because that's what they deserve. Um, uh, speaking of which, the Chicago Red Stars at SeatGeek Stadium the other day had a sold-out crowd welcoming back uh, World Cup champions, which I thought thought was fantastic. And I think that's really a pinnacle spot. Uh, it's it, it's pinpointing a really pinnacle point um, in MLS, not MLS history, but women's soccer history, soccer history as a whole, um, especially in this great nation that we live in. Um, you got to really admire uh, that turnout because you're not getting that turnout for the Chicago Fire in the MLS, but regard, but uh, on the other hand, you're getting a fantastic turnout for Succession. And like I said, women's soccer might deserve to play in those top-notch stadiums because they win um, and they find success. Um, I just think that's common sense to me, but at the same time, it's been common sense all along. I don't know why any soccer team hasn't been playing in Soldier Field. That's where all the action is. Yes, it's a little bit harder to get there by car, but I think public transportation is a gift from God, and people should use it. Um, but, yes, Chicago Fire going to Soldier Field, very excited for that. Um, but, all in all, the MLS, Chicago Fire is not in contention, but I'm looking at the Western Conference in the Major League Soccer, and I'm really looking forward to that LAFC-LA Galaxy matchup, but that slots in Ibrahimovic performance against LAFC was something... Uh, to remember. So, yeah, that's MLS uh, soccer. I'm going to take a 30-second break uh, as I approach my UFC segment. I'm going to get into some MMA uh, for a brief moment, talk about what's to come for fights and more right here. Monday Man Sports Talk, radio.depaul.edu, Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection, and Radio DePaul Sports, the sin voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. The blood that runs through my veins can help a soccer player stay kicking, can help a mother stay with her child, can help a car accident victim stay alive, or it could just stay in my veins. Donating blood can lead to a world of possibilities. One donation may save up to three lives. Give blood. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. 
Okay, okay, okay. We're back. Sports Talk. Money Mass Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festusin with Radio DePaul Sports. At least on behalf of it, because we're on the radio, DePaul Streamwaves, radio.depaul.edu, welcoming all of my beautiful listeners here um, who come in. I just want to thank you all for tuning in, spending part of your day with me um, on uh, radio.depaul.edu. There's also some other great shows here on this radio station. Uh, so just give check it out. And hardworking college students, especially during summer. Uh, I love doing shows during the summer because uh, it just keeps me... Uh, just keeps me focused, I would say, and I like that. It makes me feel happy, which you can hear me talk about and when I'm talking about UFC because UFC, I got into UFC like two years ago, like full on, because I wrestled for seven years. I kind of know how much work one has to put in to be a successful fighter, and so I try to glorify that when I talk about fighters because they were, you know, I think people can't even fathom the amount of versatility and hard work needs to be put in to becoming a world-renounced fighter, even in boxing, especially in UFC. Mixed martial arts is called mixed martial arts for a reason, because you need versatility. You need to have knowledge of all these types of fighting styles in order to compete. Um, but that's the beauty of MMA. That's why I love it. Because you have that sort of mentality. Yes, it's a little bit unorthodox in terms of hurting other people um, for glory. But that's the name of the game. And just um, and you have to train yourself to take the pain. And I had to do that in wrestling. Because sometimes being slammed to the mat or being um, putting many ways for me to get bruised up and stuff. I got tons of bruises week by week through wrestling so it's just taking the pain when it comes um and on saturday night during ufc on espn4 um the fourth fight um the, the fourth event of that nature uh was the welterweight main event uh between leon edwards and rafael dos andros and now with leon edwards winning he wants a fight with the previous winner between um which i was very upset about um, between Ben Askren and the game bred fighter, um, man. So Leon, Ed- so I'm looking back at Jorge Masvidal's win against Ben Askren and the way he won. And you look at the fight now between Leon Edwards and Rafael dos Santos. That was a full five minute decision. Um, <laughs> Jorge Masvidal uh, made a response, to, gave a response to Leon Edwards wanting to fight Jorge Masvidal. Uh, in the next upcoming fight, Jorge Masvidal said that there's a difference between putting someone to sleep rather than putting the crowd to sleep because he was able to knock someone out in five seconds compared to a guy who had five minutes to try to knock out Rafael Dos Anjos, who didn't do it. But Rafael Dos Anjos is a very tough opponent. So don't get me wrong, Jorge Masvidal, but yes, you won with a flying high kick. I understand. You got a little lucky in your positioning. Five seconds is a very short amount of time, but Leon Edwards is the type of fighter that can contest you very well. And I really like the way Leon Edwards fought the other night on ESPN. So um, we'll see what comes next for those fighters. Uh, another interesting fight that happened on Saturday night was Walt Harris beating Alexei Olenek. Um, that was a previous main event for Alexei Olenek. Um, I think... He was coming off a win, but Walt Harris at heavyweight was able to knock him out in 12 seconds. 
So very, very interesting fight there. And another quick knockout was on behalf of former NFL player and pro bowler Greg Hardy versus Juan Adams. And a very controversial uh, knockout because Juan Adams was very disappointed uh, for that knockout call. Um, but it was a 45-second knockout for Greg, Har- Greg Hardy, who's absolutely ripping it apart in the UFC right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Hardy maybe gets a chance for top-notch heavyweight fighters. Maybe it's a Walt Harris-Greg Hardy fight next. Who knows? Because with Walt Harris beating Alexei Olenek like that, you might see those two top fights, top heavyweight fights from the main event on Saturday night clash. So we'll see about that. Um, let's Let's look forward a little bit. It's 12 o'clock right now. It's going into the time of Beyond the Manus, so I got five minutes left, and then I'm going to get into that. Um, I just want to remind you guys, you're listening to Radio.DePaul.edu, Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection, on behalf of Radio DePaul Sports, Monday Manus Sports Talk, Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festenstein. Um, okay, so talking about UFC 240, um, it's going to take place on Saturday, July 27th. I think that's next Saturday. So, so this upcoming Saturday, wow, we got ourselves a fight. Um, two good fights, I would say. I think really, compared to the last couple pay-per-view events, really, this is the only pay-per-view event. I'm not really interested in the third fight. I'm really interested in actually getting the pay-per-view, but really um, the outcome of these fights. It's going to be featherweight main event and a women featherweight co-main event. Featherweight championship of the world, um, Max Holloway to protect... His championship belt against Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar, twenty-three and six and one against the twenty-four and zero Max Holloway. Tale of the tape. Twenty-seven years of age for Max Holloway. Thirty-seven years of age for Frankie Edgar. Uh, the height for both five-nine for Max Holloway, five-five for Frankie Edgar. I'm taller than Frankie Edgar. Um, that's surprising to me. But both have a weight of one hundred forty-five pounds. Interestingly enough, my senior year wrestling weight class. Uh, <laughs> Reach, 68 inches for Frankie Edgar and 69 inches for Max Holloway. Uh, Max Holloway has my upper hand. I mean, that's the type of fighter I would like to see win the fight. But Frankie Edgar is a good matchup for him, so we'll see what happens with that. Women's featherweight co-main event. Coming off of her really devastating win against Amanda Nunez uh, a few pay-per-views ago, Chris Cyborg, the 22-0 and one no-contest fighter, um, is facing up against the undefeated 7-0 Felicia Spencer of the UFC. Tale of the tape with that one is 34 years of age for Chris Cyborg, 28 years of age for Felicia Spencer. 5-7 stands for Chris Cyborg, 5-5 for Felicia Spencer, 145 pounds. Once again, my weight for senior year. Um, and both have a reach of 68 inches. Um, so two great fights. I mean, two. I mean, you're looking at both those main event fights. Um and saying to yourself, those those fights are really kind of the same in terms of skill level and um, kind of like approaching this fight. Um, Chris Cyborg needs a win here. Uh, no doubt about it. Okay, coming off that loss against Amanda Nunez, she should feel very grateful that she's getting this fight against Felicia Spencer. Um, but if Chris Cyborg wins, she might be able to get a chance for another title shot. Uh, maybe even another chance against Amanda Nunez. Who knows? Uh, but uh, And then, on the other hand, with Felicia Spencer to continue her reign of undefeatedness in the UFC, a win against Chris Cyborg will just put her up against any fighter in the world uh, in the women's featherweight division. Um, but that's that. That's UFC for you right now, and that's UFC 240 uh, coming on this weekend. I mean, the other fight, uh, notably, is going to be welterweight Geoff Neal versus Nico Price. 
Then you got lightweight Olivier Aubin Mercier versus Armin Tatskirin. Um, and then middleweight about you got Mark Andre Burialt against uh, this was this, see I've I've done well with my pronunciation of names here, but I think this is one this one's gonna stump me. Uh, Chris, oh I got it, Christoph Jotko. That's got it. I got it. I got it. That's your um, UFC 240 main event uh, card. But I think that the UFC 241 main event is going to be even better. Um, but we'll get into that when the time comes. But that's that for Monday Man Sports Talk today. Um, good show. I thought it was a fantastic show. Had my McDonald's coffee beforehand, and I felt the energy today, not even just from me, but from all of you listening um, and enjoying this during your lunchtime. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and bearing my delayed start today, but that's okay, because guess what's coming up next? It's Beyond the Madness with some 70s music today. I'm really excited for it, but as of now, for Monday Man Sports Talk, I will see you next week for Sports Talk, but see you in a couple minutes for Beyond the Madness. You're listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk, the conclusion of such, right here on radio.depaul.edu, Chicago's college connection of Radio DePaul, and Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. See you guys next week, and for now, toodaloo.